on Texas football and Inside Texas. I'm joined by Justin Wells, Jerry Hamilton, and Ian Boyd, all of Inside Texas. Uh, it's a Friday afternoon, afternoon live stream. We're going to talk a little news and notes uh, coming up here, uh, talking about uh, the Longhorns, some recruiting news. Justin Wells is going to join us uh, for this first 30 minutes or so because he's he uh, went up and saw Kobe Black, the five-star defensive back out of Waco Connolly. I wanted to get him on today uh, and talk a little bit about that. Ian Boyd uh, and uh, Jerry and I are going to talk a little bit about the scrimmage that is set for tomorrow, the final fall scrimmage for the Longhorns as well. All right, Justin, I'm going to go ahead and get right to it. You went and saw Kobe Black last night. Uh, I talked to you late last night as you were getting Sonic, I guess. Uh, tell us what you heard and what you saw with Kobe Black and what all he had to tell you. Yeah, I uh, just went back down, went to Lorena to check out Waco Connolly's uh, scrimmage and, and get to see a little bit of Kobe Black in action. Uh, he's not playing corner anymore. He's playing safety for the cadets in the back end, and he's also playing some wide receivers, some running back, and some quarterback for the offense. And, and, and so he actually – he looked fantastic, guys. Uh, you know, he's every bit of 6'2", 200 pounds. I got to catch up with him after the game, got to catch up with a handful of his coaches, and I even hung out with his dad, Keith, for a little while after the game as well. And he got to, you know, just got to catch up with those guys. The, there was one prevailing sentiment. And you know how Kobe has kind of maintained, insisted that he's going to, you know, wants to take, take this recruitment a little bit in more into the season, possibly into October, maybe November. You know, he's kind of wanted to hedge his bet in that direction. There's a lot of people that are saying, you know what, this might actually happen sooner than later. Uh, I, I'm not real certain. Just at, from leaving last night, I can tell you, I'm not certain this recruitment's going to take much longer. Uh, Jerry, you I, have a question. You have a question for for uh, Justin on that on Kobe Black. No, I mean that lines up with what we've heard. Actually, I mean we we this recruitment wasn't going to go. The, a lot, these kids are all the same. They they December sounds great until you start going through the process and the family gets involved with hey. You know, yeah, look, you have NIL, you have injuries. There's a lot going on with these recruitments now. And uh, December sounds great to these families. But think about what's happened since June. Colin Simmons is committed. Kobe Black's backing off his date. Uh, Ryan Wingo's backing off his December date. Dominic McKinley, which we broke that news way back, was bought backing off his date. Anybody sense a theme here? Brandon Baker's backing off his. It won't go to December. The, there's just not, these guys aren't going to December. There's too much on the line right now in recruiting for these guys. There's too much pressure. The official visit process is in June. NIL, injury, families, advisors, agents, way too much going on to wait until December anymore. And Justin, Jerry, I'll, I'll give you another point real quick. First person that Colin Simmons called after he committed last Thursday? Yeah. Kobe Black. Yeah. How did he look last night? Uh, you said he played a bunch of different positions. Uh, tell us a little bit how he played. He looked good, man. He's just – he's gotten bigger. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking to their head coach last couple weeks ago when I was back over in Waco, and I said, man, he's, he, he kind of resembles Jelani McDonald a little bit as a senior. Now, Jelani was a little taller uh, and a little – you know, maybe five, ten pounds thicker. But, but he said, yeah, Kobe's kind of growing into that. If you walk out onto the field, Kobe looks like an outside linebacker. Kobe kind of looks like a defensive end in high school in a way. He's just so big. He's as big as some of the interior linemen 
Like, he's a big safety in that back end. Then they got Kiefer Sibley, who's a running back, big-time production guy on the other side. And they got Jamari and Vincent, just get ready to know that name, 2026 safety, already has a Baylor offer. So they got some guys back there. Kobe looked great. He looked like he's ready. They got Mejia week one, and then they got Waco La Vega week two, which I'm probably going to make that trip to Waco in week two because I hear that La Vega and Conley can get downright nasty. All right, I got to go. Before we talk to Ian, I do have a question I want to ask Ian, but I got to be honest, Justin, what's this all about? Justin, with the strategic timing of his RPM right before the live stream, what's Jerry C. talking about here, Justin? I don't know, man. It probably has to do with uh, I did make an RPM prediction a few minutes ago after talking to Jerry and Eric and a bunch of sources uh, we feel confident uh, w- with Dominic McKinley right now. I think that is trending Texas very nicely. Uh, the big, big six foot four, six foot five, two hundred eighty pound defensive end out of Acadiana, uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. He's going to announce on September first. On three is going to be on the scene. Uh, it looks like everything's pretty much trending that direction, and so uh, I felt pretty confident about about Dominic and Texas chances. All right, you got to learn to say Acadiana right though, Acadiana. You're in, you're in East Texas. You should get close enough to Bayou country. Bobby no, Burton. I have worked in Louisiana for years. <laughs> they say those names differently in South Louisiana like they say them differently in East Texas. It's not Teague. It's Teague. It's not <laughs> Palestine. It's Palestine. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's just get it clear here. Uh, the, the, the reality of it is, is uh, Justin put in an RPM for Dominic McKinley, the big defensive lineman out of Lafayette, Louisiana, that has all scholarship offers from all around the country. Uh, uh, Ian, I want to ask you real quick. Uh, the question I have for you uh, is this coming scrimmage this weekend. You wrote an article earlier this week about the interior of the offensive line, Jake Majors, along with DJ Campbell and uh, either Hayden Connor and or Neto Umiozulu. Uh, you think that that Jake Majors needs to be helped a little bit by those two interior guards more than he was a year ago. Is that, is that a fair assessment uh, based on what I read? Yeah. I, I mean, helped, you know, they need to do their jobs. <laughs> so it's maybe what you would be a little more on point. Uh, Texas's guards last year were the weak link of the offensive line in a lot of ways. It's not some huge knock. I mean, they're, they're playing a true sophomore and a true freshman, the true freshman was playing injured. It's not to say that those guys suck or that they can't be good, but the, the point was more Jake majors catches a lot of the blame. It always feels like Texas is trying to edge out Jake majors for a bigger center. That's the common narrative and theme you pick up, but the reality is more that majors is a pretty good center and Texas needs their guards to level up in a big way to get where they want to go this season. Got it. Um, Speaking to Ian Boyd, Jerry Hamilton, and Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com. Ian and and Jerry, things y'all are looking for, and Justin, things y'all are looking for in tomorrow's final scrimmage of fall practice. Um, You know, it's interesting to hear on the offensive line. Uh, Obviously, DJ Campbell's the starting right guard, as uh, was predicted, uh, if people were reading on Inside Texas. how, how this rep split between Neto and Hayden Connor at left guard, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I think Cam Williams will continue to take reps as a second-team right tackle and left tackle. I don't expect that to change. 
Uh, then the other thing I think for the scrimmage tomorrow is do they work that three-man line with Alfred Collins more? Yeah. Uh, or was that more the first scrimmage and second scrimmage not so much? Were they just getting a look? Um, I think that'll be interesting to see. And, you know, look, do these young guys, the center Mitchell, does he get second team reps at nose guard again? I mean, that, those are signs, right, if they continue. Um, and, you know, then the other thing for me, guys, is are, are they, is Jalen Catalong going to play in contact or not in a, in a scrimmage? He didn't play in the first scrimmage. If he doesn't play in the second scrimmage, they pretty much know he's football ready and he's amongst their best handful of players on the team, and there's no reason to risk this. He's probably not going to play. <laughs> I wouldn't play him. And why does he need to play? The guy's got 160 career tackles. He's, I mean, why does he need to play in the scrimmages? Justin, what about you, bud? What are you looking for this uh, for the final piggybacking off, piggybacking off Jerry a little bit, you know, Jalen Catalan, it, kind of a big subject. You know, he he's had he's had a good he's had a good camp, and and Bobby, you you and I had spoke about this. I think you had written something about it Tuesday night that he, he was very vocal, like he's he's announcing his presence with authority. And, and, and that's Jalen Catalan's M.O. When you've got two quarterbacks in the defensive secondary with him and Jared Thompson, I, I'm curious to see how those guys are going to mix and match. I, I can't wait to see Catalan throw his body around with reckless abandon. And if you guys know Jalen, the fact that he's not playing, if he doesn't play in the scrimmage to, tomorrow, that pisses, that ticks him off. Like, he doesn't like that. Jalen is a competitor. That dude wants to be on the field. Um also, echoing the sentiments a little bit, Jerry, about the offensive line, I think Cole Hudson's going to get a little bit more reps at left guard. I think he's going to be the backup center to Jake Majors, who's going to be the starter going into going into the season. I'm curious to see how that interior O-line kind of shakes out. The running backs, we've heard them talk about Sark. I believe talked about him a little bit today in his press conference, from, from Jonathan Brooks to C.J. Baxter to Keelan Robinson. Each one offers – here's the thing. I was thinking about this earlier. Each tailback offers a different skill set. They are three completely different running backs, and they can do three completely different things in this offense. I think that's a unique factor. I think that's something Sark and Choice notice, and, and that's why you're going to have a package deal for a gadget back like a Keelan. That's why you're going to have Jonathan Brooks getting those starters carries, and that's why Cedric Baxter, I'm telling you, it might lead the team in rushing touchdowns this year because when they get close to the goal line, the guy that weighs almost 220 pounds better be getting the rock going low. Hey, hey, Justin, one thing I would add to you, but I, I listened to Steve Sarkeesian's press conference as well. When he said who is the best pat in pass protection of the running backs, he was asked specifically, well, of course he's going to mention Jonathan Brooks and Keelan Robinson. They've been around the longest, right? They know it. He said Cedric Baxter has a real feel for it, which is not normal. For young not for a true freshman. No, not, not normal at all. Hey, uh, we're going to take questions today as well. I want to get to those, but before we do that, let me, let me respond to something. I don't, you don't, don't need to bring it up. Somebody posted the reps are 50 50 with Hudson and Connor, not Neto. Neto's playing behind both at left guard. Terrible guys be better. I said, how will they be split in the scrimmage between Connor and Neto? I didn't say anything specifically about the other. Not terrible. Post better too. Comment better. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Ian, Ian, your question here. Uh, question for you. What are you looking for and wanting to hear out of this scrimmage? I definitely want to hear more about how they're using Alfred Collins. Um, I had, I've had, you know, three different theories. Uh, one that I outlined with you on a show. I've heard some that maybe they're kind of just playing him on the edge. Uh, I, I thought maybe they were playing him like sort of a three, four type of defensive end. Um, I, I'd love to hear more about how that looks, where they're going to use him, And also, 
maybe some specifics on what he's doing better. I think he's been a good pass rusher for a few years now. So I maybe he's made a leap there. It's definitely possible because his upside there is so high. But I want to hear about his run defense and what he's doing well there. Um, so we'll see the extent to, we, to which we get those specifics from a scrimmage. But I, I will be listening as, as intently as I can for, for details there. And then, um, you know, I don't know if this one is really much – mystique around it but i'm curious if arch kind of solidifies the number two spot and if he does that's going to be you know get the new york post back around austin let's (laughs) (laughs) if people didn't see that what the what is is something that blake monroe found for us this morning and posted on (laughs) the new york Post is uh, suggesting that Texas will make the college football playoff with Arch Manning as the starter. That's their insider's take on uh, the New York Post because they are everyone's Bible when it comes to college football. Just throwing uh, away yeah. money, Bobby. Throwing <laughs> away money. I think that one. I think that article was free for good reason. All right, now, we need to say thanks to our sponsor. Each and every Friday afternoon live stream is brought to you by Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, Andy is a guy that sets people up in businesses, franchises for themselves, uh, works through the process with you, uh, makes sure you're uh, a good fit for whichever franchise uh, makes the most sense for you. So if you're looking to be an owner, move away from being an an employee and into ownership, give Andy a shout at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net or call him at 404-973-9901. That's 404 Nine seven three nine nine zero one. All right, I want to take a couple questions here, real quick. E Kim, with Paul Christ as an assistant coach, how many more of the Wisconsin style run plays will we see this season? Ian, that's that sounds a little bit like it's up your alley. I don't, I don't know that there's really that much of a difference between Christ's Wisconsin run plays and Kyle Flood's plays. Um, inside zone, some outside zone, power gap. Texas already has all that in the playbook. Texas has the same MO of wanting like huge linemen, um, combo blocks and inside zone. I think, I, I don't know, pro- probably probably not that many because I, I think that it's kind of already the MO. So lame answer maybe. That's okay. Uh, I, I, when when uh, Steve Sarkeesian was asked this question, yeah, went back to uh, Paul Chris' time at Oregon State, even uh, uh, Ian, and said that that kind of offensive run style with Mike Riley uh, as the head coach that he kind of positioned, he's looking at some things that that Paul Chris and uh, Mike Riley did and kind of incorporating a little bit of that, not necessarily going to it, but just incorporating it. Okay, so we'll, we'll talk about that. All right. We'll have, um, have to go into the archives to remember what Oregon State looked like in 2003. Uh, yeah, exactly. Not at the top of my mind. <laughs> All right, we've got some other Sean stuff. Sean man, man in the quarterback, the lefty at the time. I, I, think it, I think he's even more recent than that. Is he? Yeah. Thinking Brandon Cooks. Man, I'm thinking a lot of Oregon yeah. State. Yeah, still too recent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, 2003, wouldn't, wouldn't that be right around the time where Bob Davey got fired after um, Dennis Erickson took him to the woodshed with Ocho Cinco and uh, the other, Chad Johnson, or Chad Johnson and the other one? 
Uh, Hushmanzada, remember that? Yes, Hushmanzada. Uh, Brayden May uh, had a question. Bobby, when you got off the live stream this morning, you said you got a text about some news that was about to break. What was that? I cannot say it. It has not broken yet. We are prepared for it, and we do expect it to be announced this afternoon. It is not recruiting related. Just to be clear, it's not some big news within the team, uh, but we do have that ready. Eric Nalin is, is ready with that news. When it breaks, we believe it will be announced uh, later today. Um, let's go to this one uh, from Rudy O. With the new clock rules and losing a possession or two per game, do you see Sark going for it more on fourth down and try to extend drives? Anybody want to take that one? Yeah, no. I mean, no. I mean, time yardage and where you're at in the game is going to dictate that always. Um, he Look, Sark is an aggressive play caller, but he's also not going to lose games <laughs> doing something wild. Um, I think, look, I, I do think, I, Ian, and we haven't really talked about that much. I think with this rule change, I think first down run defense is more important than it's ever been in college football. I, I think, you know, you teams who play against, if the opponent gets four, five, six yards on first down running the football, they really control the clock. Um, I think first down run defense it, it, with this with this running clock on first downs more important than it maybe ever has been. Uh, I, I'd love to hear Ian's point on that, but that that's just especially against teams that you know are going to run the ball. I actually wonder how many if does it is it going to change how guys call plays within a game? I mean, you can't be obvious, right? Yeah. But but there's still something to be said for uh, being able to run the clock if you're a running team. Yeah, yep, that, I mean, yeah, that's a pretty thoughtful take. Um, I, I think it was already kind of up there because these tempo teams, a lot of times they don't move the ball very well if you if they don't get to use tempo. Like the Tom Herman, Texas Longhorns, if they could get up that first first down and then race up to the line of scrimmage and start to lean on you a little bit, they were a much better offense than yep. if you could stymie that first play. Um, but then that, that also points to, you know, does that make being able to throw on first down even more valuable because you avoid that pitfall and then you can lean on teams. I also, I do think there are situations if Texas has a good short yardage package, or I think it might make sense to say like, if you're in the late in the third quarter and you got like a two score lead, one score lead, maybe. You have a chance to pick up a first down and just ice another five minutes, seven minutes of game clock. Just take it if you can. Hey, guys, I want to add this one in here because this is a good combination question. Go for broke. Will clock running after first downs reduce throws over the middle late in games? It certainly does in the NFL. Yes. It, yes. It, it should be a factor. That's – boy, that's a big – that's a much bigger deal in college too when you think about it. Yes. Because in college, it's all about hitting the slot at the chains because these college quarterbacks can't always push those deep outs for the, you know, the free yards outside. So that's that's a very good point. Got it. Okay. Uh, I want to go to this next one. Uh, thanks, Gopher Broke, for that question as well. John Campbell uh, with a super chat for Justin. It's early, but the 2026 class in Beast, Texas, is looking like a really good one. What can you tell us? Give us a couple of highlighted names, if you don't mind, Justin, in East Texas. Okay, I'll give you two, and they're in the same high school, Carthage High School. Quarterback Jet Surratt 
Running back KJ Edwards. Uh, Texas has already offered KJ Edwards. Um, the kid ran a, I believe it was a 10 seven last year as a freshman in track. And he's already at about 180, 185 pounds. Um, Edwards is going to be dynamic, man. He's going to have a lot, a lot of carries, a lot of offers. Uh, I think Surratt's going to be a great quarterback too. What level remains to be seen. This is going to be his first year starting, but Carthage has some boys in 2026 that, that look really, really good. Um, Trying to think, Caden McDaniel, athlete out of John or Tyler High, rather. Um, this kid is is known for being an amateur track star. He uh, throughout sixth and seventh and eighth grade, he competes in track meets across the country for his age group, and this kid can fly. And so he may actually get some snaps as a freshman for for for, for or rather for sophomore rather for for John Tyler, and so. I think that's a kid that, that, that can be on the radar as well. Um, it's early, man, but there, there, there's some good ones. 2025. Your guy Prevo up at Liberty Ilo. 2025. 2025 out of Liberty Ilo. That's a good one, Jerry. Listen, Texas is on him. They still talk to him. Oregon's going to get a visit. Arkansas's had a visit. Ole Miss is going to get a visit. Um, his, his name is starting to pop up more and more. There's a duo with tailbacks at Texas High right now that need to, people need to know about. Tredarian yeah. Ball, Javari, and Johnson. Both of those guys are going to be playing P5 at, at, at some point. And so yeah, the, the, it keeps coming in East Texas. You know that. If you look hard enough, and I'll give you one more. Eric Perkins, the 2026 offensive lineman out of Marshall. Kid already has the large human tag. He is huge. And he's got he's got he's gonna have to slim down. He's gonna have to kind of to, to to get in better shape, but he already has uh some, some colleges looking at him. He already has good tape and he's had a good camp. Uh he, he went to camp circuit this summer. We had a great comment. Not playing in East Texas, but dad's from East Texas, Caden Finley at Alito, Jermichael Finley's son. So he was like, throw him in East Texas. There you go. Hey. <laughs> Hey, you can't wash the East Texas off. It's in your blood. I guarantee you Caden Finley's worn a die ball shirt at some point in his life. <laughs> Jerry, uh, this one's for you from Champ Bailey. Not familiar with a new possible wide receiver recruit, Jordan Anderson. I know you and Justin know all about him. What makes Jordan special and why is Texas going back in on him? Well, and yeah, we need to address that because there's a question earlier on that. But uh, Jordan Anderson, really smooth. I mean, he's got some... I'm not saying he's as good as DeAndre Moore, but he has DeAndre Moore similarities on tape. He has a smoothness to him, smooth getting off the line of scrimmage, smooth in and out of cuts. He doesn't look overly explosive, kind of like DeAndre Moore because he's such a smooth player. Um, catches the ball with his body a little bit too much at times for me on tape, but I think it's because he can get away with it. I don't think he's a body catcher. There's a difference. But that's one of those things when he gets to the Power 5 level. Right now he's committed to Oregon, obviously reached out to Texas. As Justin reported, we had been hearing something was up there. Um, but, uh, you know, he is a smooth receiver that has enough speed to get down the field, really going to be good in the intermediate routes. Somebody asked, and, and, and Justin will follow up with me. Somebody asked on this, does Texas having renewed interest have anything to do with Wingo? No, that's totally different. Anderson reached out to Texas. And the thing to know there is every kid's not excited about Oregon going to the Big Ten, guys. I mean, you know, I mean, not every kid is. I mean, that's a lot of travel. That's a lot of cold weather late in the season. So that's something just to consider. In the state of California, 
Not every one of those kids, those skill kids, is going to be excited about the Big Ten. All right, I want to take this next one, guys. Hold on real quick. Uh, Bobby, I'm just going to follow up real quick. With Jordan Anderson, that's not a new recruit. If you've been following in Inside Texas, Jordan Anderson's been near the top of the big board since Chris Jackson got the job in January. This isn't a new recruit. And like Jerry said, this has nothing to do with Wingo. Anderson reached out to Texas. Yeah. And remember, he told us, I want to say in May, that he was looking at an official visit, possibly in the summer, possibly in the season. That's something to watch. So keep, keep posted at Inside Texas. Yeah, this is a good point, Justin. Just to, just to, for people to be uh, clear, I should have articulated that better. Texas liked Jordan Anderson. He just went ahead and committed. And so Early. people kind of knocked him off the board for Texas. Yeah. Uh, Texas, as the Longhorns are wont to do under Steve Sarkeesian, continue to recruit guys and don't necessarily go down to that next rung, right? And so uh, that's a question. Hey, hey Jerry, and I'm going to include Ian a little bit on this. Hey, Bobby. Uh, this is a I've question. Got, I got to get out of here. I'm okay. about to hit the road. Jerry, right. Ian, enjoy, your enjoy your Sonic. Enjoy your Sonic. Jerry, I think uh, Justin is headed to uh, Love Lady tonight. Terry Bussey's got a uh, playing a scrimmage, I believe, over there. Not sure if Terry's going to actually be playing because he's still get, coming back from injury, but uh, Justin wanted to get on that. I, I had this next question, guys, from the uh, Inside Texas Message Boards. I want to ask you both. Are there any recruitments from the last two full cycles that you think the staff wishes they could get a redo? Jerry, I want to ask you that from the staff viewpoint. Ian, I want to ask you, who are two? who's a guy out there that you know went a different direction that you've now seen could definitely would have done uh, some damage as a Longhorn? I mean, uh, I don't know how badly they're going to miss him, but Evan Stewart is obviously an amazing player. Yeah. Uh, they've – that one was – they were able to recover from that. You know, A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nayor potentially. So – and then Jonte Cook. But um, still, he is a, he's a great player. Hey, the other one's Bryce Anderson. Same uh, recruiting class. Well, yeah, again, though, like – I mean, he, they would have found room for him, but not, not a position where they're like uh, – week right now oh somebody else called the winner uh let's give him correct correct uh harold perkins did he say harold perkins harold perkins mick biscuit harold perkins that's the winner i that's the winner pass rush i don't know where he fits in this defense well that's that's their job (laughs) (laughs) that is true ian that's that ian's not wrong well this scheme he may not be a scheme fit if a guy like Harold Perkins doesn't fit in your scheme, you got the wrong scheme. <laughs> that's that, that's what I would say as a as a as a guy that says if this guy can go get seven eight sacks as a sophomore or like what do you get five or six last year? I mean six and a half, yeah, yeah. Isn't I mean, that the guy? Probably, I I think there's a chance he would have set last year, and then played Will this year and been, you know, maybe better than Benda. maybe (laughs) okay all right thanks uh ian and good question off the inside texas message great question that was by the way all right hey uh this one's from uh xavier delgado and it's actually it made me think about this i I, i've got to think about this right now how many projected starters are from the herman era well kind of let me let me try to do this for guys and y'all add in okay wait wait let me ask you let me ask you do the, does the 2021 class count or not? If they were committed prior. 
So okay. JT Sanders kind of counts yes. as Tom Herman because he committed originally to Tom Herman. So does Jonathan Brooks, right? right? Jake Majors counts. Um, uh, let's see. Christian Jones clearly counts. Hayden Connor was originally committed to Tom Herman. Um, and then the defensive line almost – they were – I don't think Byron Murphy was committed to Herman, was he? Or was no, he was a late addition, I believe. But Sweat, Collins, Sorrell was a late addition. Sorrell, uh, Ford, Jalen Ford, and Jaron Thompson definitely, but no, and uh, Jade Barron. So what is oh, that about 10, 10 of the twenty-two starters? Which is, but but here, let's be clear. Can we count Jalen Catalan? That's all your upperclassmen. Well, J- J- Jalen Catalan's a funny one because he was recruited by <laughs> Texas. <laughs> yeah, that one doesn't count, right? So, all right. Uh, thanks, Xavier, for that question. Uh, going to uh, Ray Walmack here. NFL analyst said nine to 10 NFL prospects on this team. How many go? How many stay for the transition to the SEC? Can more NIL money persuade any of these kids to stay another year? What is the NFL minimum? 400, 350? Do we know that? I think it's earned that area code. So it would have to be a healthy check. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know, Roy. Um, the ones that we have to watch out for, uh, let's let's be clear on that, that we truly have to. JT Sanders, I think, is most likely gone. Yes. Okay, because I think even right now, most people see him as the number two tight end that's draft eligible. The, the iffy ones are guys like uh, uh, Byron Murphy, right? He could go. Yeah. Ryan Watts could go. They don't have to, but they could. Uh, there's not a ton of them. Maybe uh, we think Xavier Worthy's definitely going to go. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Nayor is a maybe. A.D. Mitchell is a most likely based on Alfred the kind of – Collins uh, is a most likely. Yeah, given on the fall camp we're hearing. So, Roy, um, I don't think that NIL can mean that much. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. 750K. A lot. I think long, that's amazing. The position where I would – I don't know if the players even consider this, but the positions where I, you would think maybe would be guys that are face of the program positions and very late-round picks. So if you're like a running back or a receiver or a quarterback, obviously, or somebody that's going to be like a big face of the program or, or you're going to be a very late-round pick, you should maybe maximize your college, not only for the NIL while you're a student, but also for the NIL down the line if you have that much more time to entrench yourself in that community, right? Like you could make money off that name for a long time if you're like a four-year starting quarterback, right, for a school. Well, here's one that, that probably worked in that direction. What if you're Jordan Whittington and at best this past year – you're a late round pick or an undrafted free agent, but you might make some money in NIL and, and that then get to improve your draft stock. Somebody's somebody saying it's going to 800K in 2024, 795. That's wow. That's just crazy. Uh, I, I don't think that NIL is going to be able to, to manage that. Um, the other piece of it, I would say Jalen Ford, there are guys like Jalen Ford who didn't get the draft grade they wanted, right? No, I need to come back, get a, get, a, get a little bit more seasoning 
and then go forward as a higher ranked linebacker in the class. Uh, and I and I think that's legitimate as well. All right, get your questions in if you don't mind. We got plenty of time here. Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas with me. Hey, some people have been asking in the comments: Is the scrimmage open to media, donors, anybody tomorrow? It's not open to anybody tomorrow. Players, coaches, trainers, officials. That's it. Yeah. No family. Nah, no family on this one. I don't think. Oh, so we're going to get the good stuff in this one. then. <laughs> Guys, get your questions in. We'll also be taking questions from the Inside Texas uh, message boards as well. Uh, Jerry and Ian, this one's interesting for PJ Irwin. Who's your fourth and got to have it personnel with more than three yards to go? Ian, you, you take the offense. Jerry, you take the defense on this. With more than three yards to go. Uh, you need Sanders out there. I think you need Brooks for the flexibility with either catching or pass protection. I think it's just the base 11 group, Mitchell, Witt, Worthy, Sanders, uh, Brooks, because there's so much they can do with that formationally because they have so many veteran flexible guys. So that one's the fourth and short is maybe almost more interesting because that's where it could get kind of wonky, but fourth and four more than that, if they have to go for it, it's going to be like the base 11 group. You think it's an 11 personnel? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Jerry, what about you, bud? On defense, I mean, I need to think about that. That's tough. I mean, you, because you may not, if you get your substitutions in, um, I mean, look, it, it, you want to, obviously, you probably go to your, your, your power three man front with Alfred Collins and Sweat and Byron Murphy and Baron Sorrell then out there. And um, that's what, to me, I would think you would do. I think you stay in nickel, though. I mean, I I, I think you have your athletes that uh, can can eat up angles quickly, uh, can force leverage things back inside uh, with quickness. I I don't know what Ian's thoughts are, but that's what I would say. I, I would want my three, my my big three on the defensive line out there for sure, kind of like they worked on last scrimmage. If it's fourth and four, and again you can sub, I might go a little smaller, and. Uh, and get like Collins, Sorrell, Burke, Hill, and then everybody else pretty much the same. Maybe sub out somebody for a, another corner. I'm starting to lose track of my math here. Right. Maybe just move Catalan near the box and get another corner out there. Um, somebody's hey, asking. Hey, I want to say this one real quick from Longhorn. Arch is the second QB right now. That is clear. He is just more comfortable at the position. Guys, Ian, that's one of the things you put out there just now. Is that where it's at in y'all's opinion? Jerry, based on what you've heard behind the scenes? I mean, I think on play on the field, yes. Um, is that what's going to be on a depth chart? I'm not sure on that. The one thing we're not none of us are privy to is conversations between Cooper Manning and Steve Sarkeesian about their plan for Arch. That's true. That is true. That's fair. Um, David Williams, I think the difference between first team, third team, weak side linebacker isn't significant. Um, I think Anthony Hill could easily start the year behind Benda and Blackwell and by Big 12 play could be ahead of them. I think he already is in certain personnel groupings. Y'all, you agree with that, Ian, based on what you're you're hearing in pass rushing. Yeah. 
I don't know if I, I think for him to jump past them as like a starter on first and 10, when like Jerry's point, you want to stop the run. Um, I don't know if, if they're really grooming him for that. So I think it would have to be like very late in the year where he shows so much promise early that they're like, you know what? He's ready. Let's, let's get him more reps at this. Let's get him more reps at that. I, I, I kind of think he's going to be more of a second year player when we really see him as a fixture. I, I don't know if he's going to surpass being like a, a flash kind of player in year one. It, it's going to take time. Yeah. It's not, I mean, this, this is, he's played running back in high school. People forget Anthony Hill played running back in high school. He played linebacker and he's played all over the place because he's such a good athlete. That's what you do with guys. Right. Um, and so he's got that, that level of knowledge, but to David's point by big 12 play, I think it's going to be a little bit longer. J- Derek Johnson didn't start by big 12 play his freshman year. Think about how good Derek Johnson was. Oh, Mac. Oh, Mac. Cedric <laughs> <laughs> Benson didn't play against oh, OU either. Oh, oh, oh. So. <laughs> Until after butt kicking in the cotton ball. Oh. <laughs> hey, this is from Shavam Patel. I, I like this one a lot, actually. Uh, when, what college football game that Texas is not playing in this year are y'all most excited to watch? I'm going to go with this one, and I'm going to say Michigan-Ohio State. Yeah. And the reason why is because Michigan's won two in a row. They are loaded for bear this year, we believe. He wins three in a, three in a row over Ohio State. I'm, a, I'm here to tell you, Ryan Day's been very, very successful. They're going to say good luck in the NFL, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan's going to take the, the, the short bus to Cleveland and be the next Browns coach. Yep. Because Ohio State losing three in a row to Michigan, that's no bueno. No. That's not that's not good. Uh, Ian, Jerry, what game y'all y'all interested in? It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You know, um, I've looked more early season than later season to kind of note those games you know. Um Oregon, Oregon and Texas Tech early in the season is interesting to me. I, I, I think that's an interesting game. Um, and, and I'll tell you another one, Florida at Utah. I mean, that, that those are interesting games for me because if you look at Florida, think about what Texas fans have been through. If you look at Florida, if Florida doesn't go up there and have a good showing against Utah, are they staring at four or eight, five, four and eight, five and seven this year? I mean, then Billy Napier's sitting there with a lot of heat, man, after two years. So that's a big early season game for Florida and Billy Napier, in my opinion. I kind of like coaches games like that where a lot's on the line for coaches early on. Um, 
Look, Oregon-Texas Tech's a huge game for Joey McGuire. Look, Joey McGuire and Jeff Trailer, they're sitting there waiting, hoping, you know, Oklahoma and A&M both open, right? And they want to throw their hat names in the hat. You know, Joey McGuire takes out Oregon early in the year. I mean, you know, he continues that momentum he's kind of built in Lubbock. That would be interesting for me. All right, I need to say thank you to our sponsor again. Uh, oh, wait, actually, Ian, you didn't get to answer yours. What's your? Yeah, I'll go. I have one I'll throw in there. Okay. Um, Alabama versus Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, partly because Alabama's defensive game plan for Tennessee last year and that offense, the veer and shoot offense, was terrible. They put their guys in bad spots. I, I've seldom seen Nick Saban outcoached that badly. Um, he's got a new defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele, who's probably going to do things differently, but I want to see it. I'm curious how that looks. I, this I, is, this is a great one. TCU yeah, Colorado. And I am, I am definitely going to watch that one. I had a, I had a pack 12 assistant, uh, predict like a 40 point win for TCU in that game. <laughs> You're just not buying the Dion hype, baby. No, no. I, I buy that. He's going to recruit good players and that's a good LSU Florida state because the way it ended last year, obviously, but. Look, I mean, I think Dion's of the belief that he's just going to go in and win a lot of games this year. He's not – I mean, and I know that's how he is, right? I've been around them a lot with Under Armour. But, man, if they get pasted in game one, man, that's going to be a, it's going to be a little different. How Long about the season. reverse? How about if they paste national runner-up TCU? What's that going to do for the hype? Uh, I'd be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let's go to let's go to another question before we go to our commercial break. Jimmy Trevino, uh, to go back to this morning, big game boomer had OU's floor at eight and four and ceiling at eleven and one. By the way, I'm feeling good about a top five class <laughs> now for the Longhorns. How 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 things change after Colin Simmons commits? Um, boomer I needs mean, to flip those eight and four ceiling and one and eleven floor. <laughs> I mean, like I I don't know what to say. I, no, I don't know what to say. Their 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 floor is six and seven. They they may be five and zero oh too entering the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, it, health is the thing for them. Yeah, they have a much lower floor than it look you would think if they are have bad luck with health. Got it. All right, uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, our sponsor is uh, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in owning your own business and want to try that out for for yourself, give Andy a call at 404-973-9901 or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. He has a system where he interviews you, fills out your data, everything about you, how many hours you can put towards something each month, uh, whether you have a spouse that can help as well, all of these factors into, and then leans into what you've already done before to try to come out with a few businesses that really fit you perfectly. Uh, try, it, try it on for size. Consultation is free. That's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net, 404-973-9901. Uh, back to some questions here, guys. I like – this is kind of where I'm at. When we were talking about Arch, this is from John Campbell. I feel like Sark, Sark won't put Arch second team on the depth chart simply to avoid any possibility of the media circus it would create. I don't think Sark is all that about the media circus. I think he's more about internal expectations. I, I don't know that his reasoning there would be 
media circus as much as it is what's really going on here. Uh, there's no reason to rush him into action at this point. Uh, Jerry or, or Ian, y'all, y'all think about that? Um, I think there's so, I mean, it's tough. There's so much at play. I mean, you know, if Arch is the number two guy starting the season and Malik Murphy has zero incentive to stick around for spring practice. Zero. I mean, if you already got beat out in August, I mean. That, I, it, it is what it is. I mean, this is I the day and age. For another spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jerry, don't you think maybe Sark would put Malik number two? But then if, if Quinn actually got hurt. Just that's where I've thought all along. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I mean, that that's just, yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, Rick has actually uh, been waiting in line patiently, and I apologize, Rick, for not seeing your question sooner. How do you all feel about one alternate uniform for Turkey Day? Full burnt orange jersey and pants with signature white helmets. Texas needs more appeal, and the LED stadium lights are a great start. Look, I want to say this. I, well, okay. Okay, I will say this. Remember when Vince ran, wore the throwback uniforms, the throwback helmets? Yeah. That was kind of cool. Yes. I don't know about an alternate uniform as much as a potentially throwback uniform. I think that's a great idea. I would yeah. be okay with throwback. Yes. Fair enough, Rick. I think that, that gets it. I do think, by the way, that the stadium lights, I got, I got told the other uh, – again, I wasn't there when this happened, but they had them on display for some folks the other night. They look fantastic. They can do all kinds of different tricks with them, et cetera. That'll be fun. We won't see it against Rice, obviously, right? But for the Wyoming game, uh, a couple weeks later, we probably will. Hey, Bobby, so my, a couple of questions about DeAndre Carter, modern day. Hold, hold on one second. Hold on one second. I got another one from Rick. Not sure why my first Super, super Chat didn't show, but I asked, can we get Quinn Ewers on the live stream huh. or a freshman to talk about High school, high school to college, youth team football transition. Texas Athletic Department does not allow players to, to have media access during the regular season other than predetermined times. So once a week, that in on Tuesday of every week, they will go to um, – they'll have it over in Belmont, uh, and the kids will ask, answer questions for about 15, 30 minutes of reporters, but no one-on-one -on -one interviews like that. So that, that would be the reason, Rick. Otherwise, the answer is yes. I've, had, I've talked to Quinn's agent about having him on in the offseason before, and we just never got it scheduled this week uh, this year. We'll see what we can find. Maybe we can find a former Texas quarterback to talk about that high school yeah. <laughs> transition. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Jerry, you were saying something about DeAndre Carter. Yeah, somebody's asked about DeAndre Carter, four-star guard out of modern day. He's announcing September 3rd. Uh, he scheduled. To, he was been scheduled to visit, officially visit Texas September 30th. Uh, obviously, moving up that date, he's only made official visits to Auburn and Michigan State. All the picks are for Auburn right now. The recruiting signs will tell you it's Auburn. Texas thinks they have a shot. We'll see which way it goes. Um, he's been on campus a couple times before, but he has not taken an official visit to Texas yet. All right, uh, just recapping a little bit here today. Um, right now, I'm, I'm Bobby Burton alongside Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas. This is our weekly Friday live stream. Uh, Justin Wells was with us earlier. He talked a little bit about Kobe Black. Uh, he still believes that Kobe Black uh, is a potential lean to Texas. Had a good uh, showing last night in a scrimmage. Uh, did Kobe Black. He's on his way to Love Lady now. 
uh, to see Terry Bussey, uh, the young man out of East Texas, uh, who we do not believe is actually going to play in the contest right. this afternoon. Uh, but uh, going over there to see him, visit with him, and see what the latest is on his recruitment uh, at this time as well. Uh, we're also waiting on some other news to break this afternoon uh, that does not deal with recruiting and or team-specific news. You guys will understand uh, when that occurs, but uh, want to make sure that people are, are getting ready for that. Hey, uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby, some people have asked, hey, would Colt McCoy be awesome to have on here? If you go back in the archives, we've grown so much. If you go back in the archives, Colt McCoy actually did an interview with Bobby about a year ago on here. You just got to yeah. go back through the old videos. And uh, Colt McCoy has been on the show before, as was Derek Johnson. The good guys, too, by the Great way. Guys. Yeah, I mean, if y'all want to talk about guys that represent the university well, those two are uh, top top notch. We've had so many other guys on as well that, that are terrific. All right, uh, let's keep going uh, with some questions. I think I've got one uh, from the Inside Texas message board now that I want to get to. If I bring it up here, guys. Why is it not letting me? Okay. I've convinced myself, this is from Hornio. I've convinced myself the best comparison for Texas this year is 2017 Georgia, Jerry. UGA went 8-5 and five in 2016 in Kirby's first year. He quickly upgraded the talent and improved the culture, but the rate of ascent is similar. Two former Saban assistants who know how to manage an entire program with Sark and Sarkeesian. I've got Texas 13-2 this year. Y'all's thoughts? Ian, please chime in as well. A little scarred here because uh, I think <laughs> me and Paul both made this comparison in like 2019 or 2018 or something, and uh, – if it was 2019, it really didn't pan out. So, uh, I I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Texas will make a big leap. Took a little longer than it did for Kirby Smart. Um, but uh, they are kind of different programs. Like, my memory of 2017 Georgia was outstanding defense, typical of what we've seen since. And then just a murderous offensive line running people over with uh, Isaiah Wayne was like, Maybe Sonny Chubb and yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Hopefully last year would have been. They look, was averaging nine point eight wins a season under Mark Richter before that, so they were already like well also established. True. Yes, yes. They just weren't winning. The, they weren't winning the uh, the conference. That's right in the big game. You know? and that that was the big thing for the Georgia backers that that went over the top. All right, uh, we have some more time here. About fifteen minutes left in this one. Uh, get your questions in uh, via either the Inside Texas message board or the YouTube, YouTube uh, uh, chat functionality. Uh, let's go to Grayski or Gray Sky on this one. Uh, Ian, you're you're a stats guy a little bit, and this plays into that. Defensive touchdowns this year over and under three. So they have two last year, both by Barron. Yep. Not do not include special teams on block punts. Right, three is a lot. I, yeah. I, I would take fumble. Yeah, I'll take over or push, but I I wouldn't. That's a tough number to get over. Honestly, you you you'd be betting on them having a lot of leads, where they just kind of run away from teams when they're trying to throw the ball to get back, and they get a couple sack strips or uh, pick sixes. So. Over, but th those are, I don't know. I don't feel like those are necessarily as much 
a reflection on the quality of your defense is chance a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, the one one of the two was not really Texas. I mean, Jade Barron's touchdown against TCU wasn't really that was just luck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. It made the score look better, but that was really I mean, it was just circumstance. Uh, but that's part of the game, all right? Um, all right. How about this one, guys, from our Great game? question. In my opinion, backup quarterback will depend upon the situation. During blowouts, Murphy will be the first QB in. If Quinn is forced to miss significant time, then I can see Arch playing. What are your thoughts? I would like Longhorn's thoughts on this one as well, by the way. Uh, guys, what do you all think here? I actually think that's correct. At least early in the season. I do as well. I I'm a little bit iffy here. I think if you put if you're putting Malik in first, you have to give him a chance to win the job or keep the job. Yeah. That would be my only caveat to that and to y'all's uh combination there. Uh R. Gilbert, thanks for that that question. It is going to be interesting overall how Steve Sarkeesian spins this quarterback run. And the one thing I would say to you, though, everybody here, is that if anybody knows how to manage a talented quarterback room in this country, in college football, it should be Steve Sarkeesian, right? I mean, he's the one that's had multiples, multiple NFL players at both USC and Alabama, right? I mean, yeah. if anybody knows how to do it, it should be him. K.J. Lacey on the way, too, as well as Trey Owens. All right, uh, Patrick Despain with a super chat. Jerry, he misses your kitchen background with the bottle of Tito's in the background. We, we haven't told him about the new sponsor we have coming. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be returning to the kitchen with a new sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, um, let's keep going a little bit more, guys. Um, this from Damian Graham. Jerry, put your shades on. I don't have them. Dang it. Is Alfred We're in the Collins- kitchen. <laughs> is Alfred Collins athletic enough on the edge to prevent or keep outside contained and force the ball back inside? Ian, this is really for you uh, as well from an X's and O standpoint. Yeah, by the way, I think we're going to have the same answer. His length is going to will allow him to get upfield and turn people back inside and win and win in that regard. Yes, I I think it's a combination of quickness and length. I mean. 35 and 7 inch arms, guys. I mean, that is crazy link. Crazy link. And a guy who's about four years in the college program strong. It's just a matter of familiarity. He's definitely has the physical capability to do it. I think they were saying in the uh, 2020 Alamo Bowl, they quoted Chris Ash as saying that uh, Alfred Collins could play defensive end if he wanted to because of his level of athleticism. At some point in the year, they said that for sure. Um, so, yeah, if he gets enough reps, no doubt he could do it. If he'd have, you know, it takes a little bit of, you got to have some know-how. You can't just throw him in there and you're athletic, you can do this, or else, you know, Jamon Tapp would be starting, right? Or uh, some of these edges would would hit a little quicker, but – we might see it. We might see it. All right. Uh, Going to go to this one uh, from Des Garrett. Barron dropped three more pick sixes last that's, year. That's a decent point. 
he was on it playing that star position. That's a decent point. Uh, Jaron Thompson dropped one, what would have been one, too. I, I got to tell you. If they I connect gotta, on more turnovers, that number is going to be three or above. I got to tell you, that, that, made, that made me think, guys. Gavin Holmes has an interception turn for a touchdown in his career. Catalan has at least one. Texas has added players who have already put it on the board that weren't even on the team last year, so I don't know if that should factor in. There's also if uh, the more Manny Muhammad plays, that kid has a knack for jumping routes to the sideline, and that's that's your major pick six water right there. Got it. All right, uh, this one from William Nish. Uh, What Texas player have you guys grown to appreciate over the years? Mine would be Chris Sims. I've forgiven him for that Big 12 debacle against Colorado. He was good for Texas. Yes, he was good, in my opinion. The question is, was he better than Major Applewhite? And let's be clear, that will be the eternal question of of, of the people that uh, knew Texas football in that category. Um, For me, I'm probably... I'm probably going to go with Brian Robeson. It's a good and he proved it out, right? We knew he was good. We didn't necessarily know he was better than Tim Crowder, who was the defensive end on the national championship uh, team opposite him. Underappreciated over time, right? I mean, there's so many stars on that team. He ended up, other than uh, he ended up with the the longest tenure in the NFL of that entire. 20, uh, 2005 national championship team. I, I was going to go with somebody else from that team that I think we appreciated at the time, but you appreciate on another level now is David Thomas as an all-around football player because he didn't get a lot of pub on that team. There were so many, there was so much star power, but what a great football player. I mean, at, at a position where, I mean, could you imagine David Thomas with Steve Sarkeesian? That's a scary thought, guys. Ian, you I'm, trying have- of, I'm trying to think of guys that um, didn't really appreciate at the moment how special they were and thought it would just be like that at Texas forever. I got I got two. One is not Casey Studdard. Yeah. I think that there was a time when it seemed like guys like that would just always be in the program, and that just hasn't really been the case. Um. And then another, I had I had one, and then I thought of, an, of a slightly of a similar but even better one, Jackson Shipley. Not Jordan, but Jackson. I was going to say Jordan. I think we appreciated Jordan pretty well yeah, at the time. We did. Yeah, but he is he was so dominant. I don't know if we I don't know if people fully grasp exactly how dominant Jordan Shipley was, but mostly understood, right? Jackson Shipley should have been very very good as well. And he just didn't quite have the supporting cast to get where he could have gone. I'm just play, going through some answers here. Got I lost on the Thorpe Award. I, I, love, yeah, but I love some of these answers. It just brings back so many memories to me, man. Hey, uh, Jerry, let's go to a recruiting question real quick. Yeah. Mix one in uh, from Mark Valdez. If we get McKinley, Dominic McKinley out of Lafayette, um, Brandon Baker out of Santa Ana, modern day in California, and Kobe Black out of Waco Conley, are we in the top five in recruiting, in your opinion? Yes, that wouldn't be all Texas will get. I mean, if Texas has four or five stars, yeah, they're going to finish with a top five class because they're going to add other guys. They're going to have really good momentum. And just remember this. I mean, a kid like Jordan Anderson, a four-star receiver we talked about reaching out to Texas, committed to Oregon. There's going to be a couple other things come 
in the play this season, especially if Texas uh, gets the, gets ten wins and, and is ranked uh, highly all year. And uh, but if they because look, here's the reality: McKinley Baker commits September first. Kobe Black, I think, is either before that or shortly after that. And then uh, Brandon Baker it has an official visit to Nebraska on the 16th. I don't think that probably goes much in October. Those guys are going to be committed pretty early in the season still. And so there's a lot of runway after that. Warren Roberson wasn't even talked about at this time last year. Fair enough. There's going to be other guys. Yeah. I thought about Sinline. Oh, Sinline. Hey, here's one from PD in Richmond, Texas. How does Sorrell, Aaron Sorrell, compare to Cedric Reed on the strong side defensive end? Jerry, you and Ian and both Sam, I've seen him as well. What do y'all think? I think Barron's a more physical player at the point of attack for me. I think he's a more physical player than said Reed was, but that's just me thinking back. Um, I, that's the first thing I would say maybe, and I'm not saying anything negative on said Reed, maybe a little better motor from Sorrell. I'm going to say this. My takeaway uh, does not shy from contact, and I think football is more important to Baron Sorrell. I mean, Baron Sorrell is a talent maximizer. I'm not sure on the football field that Cedric Reed was. Agree. Is that a fair one? What do you think, uh, Ian? I don't think I remember Reed that well. I remember him having like 10 sacks when he was opposite like Okafor or somebody. And then he played as more of a three-down guy for Charlie and his his production dropped off pretty significantly. Um I guess feeds y'all's point. So I don't don't think my memory of Reed is that great, or I would have said maybe they're a little closer. Yeah. I Reed had Reed may had, may have had more talent. Yes, he did. Physical talent, length, size. Yeah. Quickness. Yep. Relatively quick. He was an impressive kid. I went to Cleveland high, I think three times during his recruitment. He was impressive in person. All right. Uh, Let's go to uh, Pope casino here. Hook them, hook them back to you. Over and under week deep, week one defense against Rice. Five sacks, two turnovers. Malik, one passing TD. And Jontae Cook, one TD. Uh, I'm going to do this first. I'll go under on the sacks. I'll say they'll hit two turnovers. I will not say a passing TD from Malik. And I will not say a passing touchdown reception from Jontae. I think it's going to be more of the upperclassmen that manage things against Rice uh, and get their feet underneath them. Because I, I do believe Sark feels like he's going to need to really test the upperclassmen before he goes to Bama. He's not just going to have them play a half and, and tap out. Yep. So uh, I'll go next. Five sacks. I'm going to say yes, they're going to hit the number. Turnovers, two, yes. Passing TD, hard to say. I think John Tay Cook's going to score a touchdown as well against Rice. Ian, your call. Uh, I, I don't really love any of the overs. <laughs> it's more like I'm with you guys. Maybe a push on a lot of these. Um, so, yeah, under a push on all of them. Got it. Hey, this is another good one, guys. Grown yeah. to appreciate Chris Ogbedian. Great call, Casey Lane. Yeah, no doubt. I agree. He had a great senior year uh, alongside uh, Colt McCoy in that backfield, taking the place of Jamal Charles, guys. Yeah. Uh, a, a guy that was really difficult. I didn't. I want to say thank you one last time to our sponsor. That's Andy Ludicky. 
of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you want to own your own business, look no further than Andy and My Perfect Franchise. Uh, what they do is qualify you for it and then also get you into the business that makes sense for you. They give you a, a bunch of choices, uh, ask you a bunch of different questions that make sure it fits your skill set and desire for ownership of a business. Uh, contact him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net or call him at 404-973-9901. Again, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. All right, uh, let's go to a couple more questions. Jesse Areola, guys, what have the coaches done during preseason to prepare for in-game adjustments? Feel like this has been a uh, coaching weakness. Uh, look, uh, Steve Sarkeesian was on the microphone today talking to media. Um, he is running, uh, according to him, he is running more scenarios this year than in previous years. Uh, he did a lot of base things in years one and year two uh, because he had new quarterbacks in each, guys, right? This year, he's able to, to tinker a little bit more in cir certain circumstances and scenarios. I really think that that's what he's, he's trying to do. He's trying to give them more variety. Yeah, I think the main thing that they've done is probably just uh, coach up the quarterbacks, coach up the offensive line so that they're not playing inexperienced underclassmen that don't know a lot of different checks and options for late game situations. Got it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that narrative in general, honestly. I, we'll see after this year. Hey, hey, Bobby, I have a question for Ian real quick. We got time? Yep. Because, Ian, uh, you know, we haven't been on the same live stream since last Friday, and there's been a scrimmage, some other practices. And for the people that, you know, haven't got a chance to talk to your comment uh, since last Friday, what are your thoughts, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what are your thoughts on Texas right now overall? Do you, you Things you're hearing, you like what you're hearing, you, you like the clips, the, the clips on social media, you like what – Sark saying kind of what are your thoughts right now? Because I I think the Texas fans need to hear that. Positive. Um, I, I I feel like I've been Big 12 or bust should be the goal. Big 12 champions, potential playoff participant. And uh, I think that from what we can tell, it seems like they're on the trajectory to meet those goals. What do you think? You wrote an article about the run game yesterday. What are your thoughts on how – just kind of take people kind of through that article. If you're not on Inside Texas, go to Inside Texas. Kind of your thoughts on the run game and what you wrote yesterday. Yeah, yesterday I wrote about Jake Majors. The headline was, is Jake Majors limiting the Texas offensive line? Uh, the answer of the article is basically no. I mean, he's not – he's probably not an All-American center. So in some sense, he could see him as a limiter, right? But the problems last year, the games where they had trouble running the ball was not games where he was getting bullied by big nose tackles. It was games where they had trouble with uh, quick-moving line stunts and slants from quick defensive tackles and defensive ends and nickels blitzing in on the, on the, on the tight end or on the guards in particular. Um, and so the, it, the – the problems that people have tended to lay at Jake Major's feet is like he's the small guy. If Texas can't impose their will, it must be because this little guy is too weak. And I, I, I don't think that was really the case at all. Um, not to say that that was never a problem, but 
the biggest problem they had last year was inexperience at guard and inexperience at trading off blocks when other teams moved after the snap and executing those combo blocks in the zone plays where you're really supposed to get your push. Like the way that you, the way that you move people off the ball and inside zone run plays is not necessarily just by having the biggest, baddest guys. It's by executing really good combo blocks because two guys will move somebody, right? If you do it right. No doubt. But it's all about having the, the footwork and the cohesion and the communication between those three guys in the middle to execute that. Um, and uh, it's, I think they'll upgrade this year. Hayden Connors reshaped his body. If DJ Campbell starts, he's a totally different level athlete than most of yeah. the guys you'll see on offensive line. So if they have that cohesion, which I think majors helps with, they might have a, they might have a significant leap there, which just all the more reason to feel confident about the team this year. And I do have one thing, Bobby, 2003, Paul Christ, Oregon state, Steven Jackson. Oh, wow. The, the, the running back for the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. End up being a first round pick. I think even. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Interesting. All right. uh, I forgot to Jamie and Jay. Thanks for pointing this out to me. I, I skipped over this one. Guys, Brooks and Baxter are getting all the love. True. But I think people are sleeping on Jaden Blue. Thoughts? Um, I don't think sleeping is the right word after he had a really good uh, spring. But I will tell you this. Steve Sarkeesian, when asked today who he thought was picking up pass protection the best, he did not mention Blue. Yeah, I want a good answer for Blue. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was my take. <laughs> yeah. So, um, because ultimately he's not gonna he's not gonna allow a guy to go in that may get his quarterback hurt. We saw what happened when that that occurred last year. I don't think he wants a, a redux uh, on that one. A good on yeah. Baxter though. Yes, very uh, great good. on Baxter. I mean, weren't you surprised by that, guys? When when he mentioned that, I'm like, I, I, I'm not surprised by Baxter, and here's here's why. If I, I go back to when I was at Edgewater High School last year and he was out injured. He's a five-star number one ranked running back in the country. Most of those guys have been on the sideline doing their thing, right on their phone, kind of having fun. The guy was literally in the huddle of every single play, helping his running back, telling the, the, his backup what the assignment was. Every single play. Cedric Baxter's a detail-oriented football player that happens to be really talented. So I think he comes in. He, Bobby, you said it before. Football's important to guys. Football's important to Cedric Baxter. And if football's important to a running back, they get ahead of the curve in pass protection, especially as an early enrollee. Yep. All right, guys. Here we go. Uh, from Thunder Pup, is there a possible way a current NFL QB can talk about UT's QB room? Maybe. I mean, we'd have to think about that. Um uh, I don't have, I mean, I, I wouldn't, Colt's kind of hard to get during the season because I think he's right. currently the starter for the right. Cardinals. Uh, Ellinger, we'd, we'd have to see what happens him, with him uh, during uh, fall camp here. So uh, we'll have to wait and see you guys on that. He one. also, uh, there's not anybody left that Ellinger played with. Although I think he knows, uh, I think he knows Quinn Ewers and his game pretty well because they shared a trainer. But he didn't. He didn't share a locker room with any of these guys. Yep. Maybe what we'll do is have Ian uh, dress up in a Colts uniform and helmet and come on here and talk about it. 
Hey guys, we add uh, some spice to the show, right? Hey, let, let's let's provide some depth on this one, though, guys. Yeah. Um, Des Garrett, kind of a follow up question on Jaden Blue and pass blocking. Blue isn't a blocker, neither is Keelan. He wouldn't put them in that position. So I agree with you a little bit, but I will say Sark specifically called out Keelan Robinson as being a good pass blocker yeah. because he, at the very least, Des I think knows what the heck he's trying to do and where he's supposed to be. He's got enough experience. Right. To, not that he's excellent at it, or I'm not saying he's Roshan Johnson, for example, but he knows more of what he's supposed to do, and he he's more not capable isn't the right word, just more experienced. I mean, he's he's had more snaps, right? There's a helpful right. thing for Garrett for Des Garrett is that for Texas to throw the ball to all these receivers and their tight end as much as they want, the running back is going to have to be a blocker some. Yeah. Got it. All right, guys, that's going to do it uh, for this afternoon. Uh, I appreciate all these uh, super chats. I mean, we got John Campbell, Robert uh, R. Gilbert, Damian J., Patrick Despain, Rick, Poke Casino, Jimmy Trevino, Joel McWaters, Rick, uh, Rick again, William Nish, Thunderpup, uh, all of you guys, uh, we appreciate it so much. Uh, and thank you for joining us again on Thursday. Uh, we will likely, uh, first of all, tomorrow morning, I will definitely have a Saturday conversation with Paul Wadlington. Uh, and then also uh, Saturday, we hope to have some late breaking news coming out of the scrimmage as well. Check out InsideTexas.com for complete spring uh, uh, fall camp coverage, as well as on Texas football some, for some news and notes tomorrow afternoon as well. All right, for Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas. Jerry, you look like you had something final to say there. You, yeah, you know. I was going to say, if we didn't get your question answered today, we'll be back Sunday with another live stream. So keep bringing those questions questions, and we'll, we'll get to them. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Jerry. Jerry and Ian, we appreciate you guys. Uh, for those two, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been Friday afternoon live stream. Thanks. <laughs>